0: May God bless the reading of the scriptures this morning. May the words from my mouth be just what we all need to hear today. In the 1960s, in a convent in New Jersey, there were four nuns who staged a sort of a mini-protest. They locked themselves in the infirmary at the monastery. They were protesting some new rules and some new things that had come about and that were set up by their new Mother Superior. Mother Teresa was her name, and she had, she had brought cable TV. Oh, my goodness. Cable TV into the convent. And she had brought in secular music she was letting the other nuns listen to. Bright lights. It wasn't dim in every room. And unbelievably, daily sweets candy. Candy was passed around every day, and each nun was allowed to indulge and have some chocolate or whatever candy it might be that day. And this was just, I guess in the words of the protesting nuns, they said the new boss was turning convent life into one big party. And to protest those changes, they locked themselves away in the infirmary and wouldn't come out. I don't know how it turned out. I didn't see, there was no end to the story, just the story itself. But you know, we can sympathize. There are things in our brave new world that sometimes we would like to withdraw from. We can sympathize with Peter, who wanted to build three booths, places to for people to come and worship and be healed and just stay up there on the mountaintop with Jesus and with Moses and with Elijah. But that wasn't an option for him and staying up on the mountaintop is not an option for us. We have to live in this crazy, chaotic world that we live in. There seems to be no escape from the noise in our society. Wouldn't it be nice, though, from time to time, to experience a little bit of what Peter, James, and John experienced on that mountaintop during the Transfiguration? They went away to a secluded spot. They thought they were just going to pray, which is always a good idea to go be alone for prayer, meditation, some time to think, and they were going to be with their master. But they weren't prepared for what was about to actually happen. And I think it's interesting that both times when Jesus took these three, Peter, James, and John, aside to pray, they fell asleep. He took them to Gethsemane, remember that? Shortly before he was arrested, and said, You wait here, I'm going to go over there and pray. And you do the same. And they went to sleep. And then again, they did the same. But this time, when they woke up, they got a big surprise. Something they would have never, ever expected, and something that they would never, I'm sure, ever forget. They were not only in the presence of Jesus, but now there were two other very important people from the Old Testament some people who had died long ago. Moses was there, and Elijah was there. Moses, I believe, representing the law, and Elijah representing the prophets of old. And the three disciples, I can't even imagine, what a surprise and a shock and how stunned they had to be. Peter spoke up and said, Master, it, 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 this is really good, this is really neat. Let's, let's just make three booths and three places one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And people can come up on the mountain and they can worship and, and, and we can just live happily ever after right here on this mountainside because this is really cool. Well, that's good old Simon, Peter. He always had his two cents to put in, didn't he? And about this time, the symbol of God's presence, that cloud moved in and surrounded them. And they were scared. And a voice spoke from heaven, Scripture says, and said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken and the cloud lifted, Moses and Elijah were gone. Luke tells us that after this experience, the three disciples then told no one because Jesus instructed them not to tell anyone. What they had seen. What was there to say? There are some experiences in life, aren't there? When there are no words. How can words express how wonderful it is to hold a newborn baby the first time? There are no words to describe that. What words can comfort someone you love? when their life's partner has just passed away there are no words silence is appropriate what words can you say when you have been in the presence of the living god and that was their situation that day and luke tells us that they did just that they kept silent and that was appropriate we can learn from them. Ralph Harper writes these words, We know that serious things have to be done in silence. In silence, people love, pray. You know, everyone gets so concerned, it seems, like when, when you ask them to pray in public and to pray out loud. But did you know that you don't have to say a word to pray? I do something called centered prayer at least three or four times a week where you just sit. Usually it's in the sanctuary or in my office. When the weather's nice, I go outside and I like to do it at camp. I have a favorite spot out there at Pilgrim Park where I like to sit right by the creek and just be in the presence of God. And I don't say a word. Sit there in silence and just enjoy being at his feet. There's a time to be quiet. Time to listen. Time to listen to other people, not speak a word. Time People who compose music do it in silence, typically. People who paint, all the great artists, do it in quiet. People who write. People who think and people who suffer often do it in silence as well. Many of us are afraid of silence. When there's a conversation going on and it gets quiet, if it goes too long, it gets uncomfortable, doesn't it? Everybody's sort of waiting for somebody to say something. But there are times to be silent. Let's talk about three of those times this morning. First of all, We should be silent when we're in the presence of a mystery, which is too great for us to understand. Now, what do I mean? Well, that was the disciples' situation that day. They were in the presence of a mystery beyond their power to comprehend. They didn't didn't really understand what was going on here. James and John had enough sense to keep quiet, but Peter was Peter. And, of course, he had to, it says, not knowing what to say, He said it anyway. He blurted out his suggestion that they build these three booths and that they stay on the mountain. But even he got quiet as the mystery continued. We may not want to admit it, but there are mysteries in life that demand us to be silent. The mystery of suffering is one of them. In his book, The Light Within You, John R. Claypool tells the painful story of the loss of his young daughter. He lost her to leukemia. He says that soon after she was diagnosed, she had been given medicine and she went into remission. And for a while, she was doing really well. And the family had hope. They thought maybe the diagnosis was wrong, a mistake. They prayed that the little girl would be healed. But it was not to be. And on Easter Sunday morning, the old pains reappeared. She went into a severe relapse and was hospitalized for weeks. And he says that part of that time, both of her eyes were swollen shut and her pain just racked every part of her body. And that moving with her through this time was unspeakably draining. He found himself, he says, stretched in every way, physically. And emotionally exhausted. His faith itself was being challenged as it had never been before in his life. And the worst moment of all, he said, came one night when his daughter could just get no relief from all the pain. And she asked him, Dad, when will this leukemia go away? He said, I don't know, darling, but we're doing everything in our power to find an answer. Then there was a long silence, and she said, Have you asked God when the leukemia will go away? Her father, who was also her pastor, said, Sweetheart, we have prayed again and again for God to help us. But she said, Yeah, I know, but have you asked God when it will go away? What did God say? Claypool asked this question. How do you respond to a question like that? How do you respond to such childlike directness at a time when the heavens just seem so utterly silent? There are some questions without an answer in this life. When I, as your pastor, come to you in the hospital... Or at the funeral home. In an hour which you're experiencing great pain, tragedy. I don't walk through the doors with any answers. During those times I will sit with you. I will struggle with you. I will pray with you but I will not have the answers. I will not try to give you answers that I'm not sure of because I know that God's ways are not our ways. Some questions in this life have no answers. Times like these... Sometimes just demand silence. And during times like this, we can only wait on God and trust that though we see through a dark glass, a glass darkly, as the scriptures say, one day we'll see it more clearly. But that's one time to be silent. When we're in the presence, of a situation that we don't have the answer to, we don't understand. Another time to be silent is when we are in the presence of something or someone greater than ourselves. We need that kind of inspiration from time to time, don't we, to ponder a beautiful masterpiece or to sit at the feet of a great legend. At times like that, we don't talk. Like when I'm at the camp, sitting on that big rock right on this side of the bridge. Some of you know where I'm talking about, I'll bet. Looking down at that creek. No time to talk. Just sit quietly, soak up as much of the greatness, the beauty of nature, and all that God's created. That's one reason we come to church to worship. In his autobiography, Albert Schweitzer said that one of the main things his parents did for him as a child was to take him to worship service. Even though he was too young to understand what was going on, he said it's very important. It is not very important that children understand everything. What is important is that they feel a sense of something that is serious and solemn and meaningful in your life. Can you see Peter, James, and John as they thought about what it meant to be in the presence of Jesus, Elijah, and Moses? And then on top of all that, to hear the voice of God? How amazed they must have been. We all have experiences like this. We need them. It's a time to be silent. And in that silence, there is power. We're told that on the night before A battle, and I think I've mentioned this before. Napoleon's commanders would all come into his tent, one by one, no one would say a word. They would simply go into his tent, sit in his presence, look into their commander's eyes, shake his hand, and turn and walk out, ready to lay down their life for their general silence is appropriate in the presence of a mystery that's too great for us to understand silence is appropriate in the presence of something or someone greater than ourselves and then one more thing another time to be silent is to listen hear the voice of god as a young man benjamin franklin was kind of arrogant and he wanted to do most of his talking, most of the talking whenever he had a conversation and he would speak over people very often. And he was so quick to tell them that they were wrong that it got to a point where people just didn't really want to talk to this guy anymore. And they were crossing the street if they saw him coming down the street to avoid him. Well, one day a good friend of his kindly informed him that this was happening and that it was a problem. Well, he took it to heart And he took it to heart so much so that 50 years later, when he was 79 years old, he wrote these words. Considering that in conversation, knowledge was obtained rather by the use of the ears than of the tongue, I gave silence, priority among the virtues I determined to cultivate. Smart move, Mr. Franklin. We should all be better at listening. I like the old saying, two ears, one mouth. There's a reason for that. Now for just a minute, try to put yourself in God's place. Try to think about when it comes to prayer, how frustrating it must be when we come to God, supposedly seeking his guidance, and then ba blah, 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 we do all the talking. We tell him what we want and how it ought to turn out. Suppose that you had a friend who always came and talked and you never got to say one word. Wouldn't that get frustrating? Yet we so often make our requests of God and then we move on to other things without without giving God time to answer us back, to speak to our hearts, to give us peace within. We move right along. Let's give God a chance. Let's listen, not just speak. Either that or we drown God out with all the other noise that's going on in our lives. There's a time for silence, a time for shutting out all the noise, a time to stop talking and to listen. So maybe those four sisters in New Jersey are on to something. Maybe we should all lock ourselves away from time to time, not in protest, but in prayer, to listen In silence. In his book called Directions, author James Hamilton shares this insight about listening to God. He says, and I have told this story before, and I'm bringing it back because I think it drives the point home perfectly. And I'll close with this. He says, before refrigerators, people use ice houses to preserve their food and that's not ice house to beer, that's an ice house. Ice houses had thick walls, no windows, and a tightly fitted door. And in the winter, when streams and lakes were frozen, they would cut large blocks of ice out, haul it to the ice house, put it inside, cover it up with sawdust, and seal the ice house tightly. And often, ice would last well into the summer months in the ice houses. Well, one man one day was working and lost a very valuable watch while he was working in the ice house. He searched for it, couldn't find it. Raked through the sawdust, couldn't find it anywhere. Other workers helped him look, no luck. A little boy heard about what was happening and at lunchtime, while the guys were all having lunch, he snuck in there. And a little while later, before lunch time was over, he walked out of the ice house with the watch in his hand. And these guys were amazed and they said, how in the world did you find that? We all searched for, all, all morning. And he said, it wasn't too hard. I just went in, closed the door, laid down in the sawdust, kept very quiet. And before I knew it, I heard the watch ticking. Often the question is not whether God is speaking to us, but whether we are still enough and quiet enough to hear what he has to say. Peter, James, and John were silent and they heard the voice of God speak. There are times to be silent, times when we don't understand what's happening, times when we don't know what the answer is. When I, I used to think when I began my ministry that that was a weakness because I couldn't answer people's questions when they asked me why. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? Why is this happening to my loved one? It isn't a weakness at all. We don't have that answer. We just don't know. So it's a time to be silent and to be present with one another. And then when we're in the presence of something greater than ourselves, to listen to the voice of God. May God help us to know when to speak up, because there are times to speak up, and when to lay in the sawdust and just listen. Amen.